and welcome to a brand new episode of Doctor Who Panel to Panel. This is Jeremy Bement, your host, welcoming you to episode 158 of Doctor Who Panel to Panel. As I record this intro, it is Saturday, May 6th, and for those of you over in the UK, I wanted to say happy Coronation Day as I'm recording this intro, even as I speak. King Charles has just been crowned, and there's lots of singing going on at Westminster Cathedral. And uh, for those of you over in the UK, I hope you're all partying it up. Uh, over here in the States, I hope you are partying up as well, because today is free comic book day. Actually, I think that's kind of worldwide now. So make sure you do me a favor or do your local comic book store a favor and go there today. Get yourself a free comic book or two or four. And uh, make sure you also do them a favor by spending some dollars while you're there. Make sure you pick up a couple of comics or a trade paperback or something and let them know how much you appreciate them being there as a comic book store and uh, let your money speak and uh, give them a sales boost because I'm sure they would appreciate that. In this episode of Doctor Who Panel to Panel, we will do like we always do. We'll take a look at the news, the latest news from uh, the world of Doctor Who Comics, which this time around is short and sweet. And then we will do a review. We will take a look at Part 7 of Liberation of the Daleks, which was in the most recent issue of Doctor Who magazine that came out just about a week ago or so. And then we are going to have an interview with Gareth Kavanaugh. Gareth is the co-founder or co-runner of Vort Vort magazine, but he is also the head of Cutaway Comics. Cutaway Comics is the comic company that does uh, comics based on characters and properties from the world of Doctor Who. Uh, He gets the rights to use them and kind of further along stories or continue along uh, maybe an episode from classic Doctor Who and... uh, They're really fun comics, really great stuff, and we're catching up with Gareth to find out what's going to be coming up from Cutaway Comics and how you can get in on it and how you can back them. They always do Kickstarter campaigns, which I back. Uh, I get the digital comics because it's a great way for me to read the comics without having to pay a lot of shipping to have them shipped over from uh, the UK, so I encourage you to check them out as well. I also would like like to encourage you to check out my website, which is DoctorWhoComics.com. I have uh, been just started showing uh, a comic strip called The Ten Doctors, which is an online comic by Rich Morris, who I interviewed uh, a while back. But I have gotten permission from him to show his Ten Doctor comics or Ten Doctor comic strip on my website. I've been releasing a page every Monday and every Thursday, so you can read along and check out check them out at DoctorWhoComics.com. Make sure you do that, please. I would really appreciate it. I think it's kind of something fun to do, something along the lines of this podcast, and uh, it'll be a treat for you, especially if you are a fan of Chuck Jones animation, because these are basically storyboards uh, along the same lines as that. So please make sure you check that out. And with that out of the way, let's call this intro good and go into the news. In Doctor Who comic news for this episode of Doctor Who Panel to Panel, we'll take a look at the new release, release being singular, because on Thursday, April 27th, those of us who get our Doctor Who magazine digitally or are over in the UK had the newest issue, issue number 590, to come out. And uh, so that means that by my calculations, one, two, three, four, the next issue of Doctor Who Magazine, issue number 591, should be out on Thursday, May 25th. So make sure you're on the lookout for that at the end of May. But other than that, that's it for new releases. In way of Doctor Who new comic news, um, 
there's not a lot. Lots of crickets chirping. It is, uh, as I record this news segment, because I always wait till the very end for the news, it is Free Comic Book Day on Saturday, May 6th, and uh, Titan Comics has a Free Comic Book Day coming out today, but it is not Doctor Who related, so there's nothing on that front, and uh, that's about it. So news is nice and short and sweet, so we're just going to end this here, put a pin in it, until next time, and take a look at uh, the latest comic review. It is time to open the Pandorica on a new Doctor Who comic strip, and since Titan Comics hasn't come out with anything new, we are going back to Liberation of the Daleks for Part 7, which is in the do- new Doctor Who magazine, issue number 590. This issue, or this story, was once again written by Alan Barnes, with art by Lee Sullivan, coloring by James Alfredi, Lettering by Roger Langridge. Marcus Hearn was the editor. And the Daleks, of course, were created by Terry Nation. We start this story, or this part of the story, 150 rels ago in a simulated universe where uh, the girl, whose name totally escapes me, uh, was shoved into the TARDIS by the Doctor to be rescued. And she's just kind of sitting there in the TARDIS when all of a sudden a hologram of the Doctor says, I've misclicked place my key. I need you to let me into the TARDIS. So she uh, opens the door and uh, the Dalek leader and uh, his squad of Daleks barge in. Uh, They realize that their universe is going to be uh, destroyed and so they're going to use the TARDIS to escape it. We then jump ahead to the current uh, story where the Daleks have just come out of the TARDIS and they discover that uh, they're in this Dalek uh, playland or Dalek uh, amusement park. And the, do- the doctor is like, well, I'm not worried about you because you're, you're uh, fake. You're illusions. You're, you're not real. But then he uses his sonic screwdriver and scans them and realizes, oh, they are real. And that is when uh, the Dalek leader smacks away the science screwdriver from the doctor and they destroy it which that's always a kind of a momentous occasion when the science screwdriver gets destroyed because we always kind of am sad for the loss of, of a sonic screwdriver but also kind of happy because we know that the doctor eventually is going to get a new one and that gives us a new toy to buy from uh, character options so anyway the uh the people that are here at dalek land uh, all of a sudden are, are laughing and applauding because they think this is all part of a, an elaborate skit. And uh, a boy comes up to the Daleks and says, uh, Excuse me, Mr. Dalek, can you exterminate me? And uh, that causes uh, our cliffhanger, which is, I think, kind of obvious, where uh, everybody is asking the Daleks to be to exterminate them. And since these are actual real Daleks, we got to see how the Doctor is going to stop the Daleks from exterminating everybody, because of course we know that is what the Daleks do best. And that is the end of this part of the story. Um, we're on part seven, where we've cleared the halfway point of liberation of the Daleks, and I'm not just judging this point or this part of the story, but all in all, I think it's been a really fun story. Uh, I like how fast-paced it is. This uh, part of the story, to me, seems kind of really quick. Uh, not a lot happens, but it uh, flies by in a heartbeat or two, and um, it was it was really fun. 
Lee Sullivan's artwork, once again, is just as stellar and spot on as it always is. And uh, this was an enjoyable read, especially when you get to the the little kid asking to be exterminated and you kind of realize, yeah, everybody's going to want to be exterminated. And these are real Daleks and not fake ones. And uh, this is uh, could end up pretty bad. So uh, I enjoyed this part of the story. I'm, I'm once again curious to see what's going to happen next, which is always good when you're reading an ongoing comic strip. You want to have a, a cliffhanger that has you wanting to, to read the next uh, part or the next issue. So good job all the way around. I've been enjoying Liberation of Daleks. I hope you are too. Exterminate! Well, today on Doctor Who Panel the Panel, I am catching up with uh, the head of Cutaway Comics and co-creator or co-head of Vort Vort Magazine, Gareth Kavanaugh. Gareth, how are you doing today? Very good, Jeremy, and um, great to speak to you. I mean, I, I know we've been trying to juggle a date now for what feels like months, but um, at last one has stuck, and I'm 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 thrilled to be be catching up with you. There's a lot a lot in the pipeline, so it's oh uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure you like we've just been uh, catching up real quick, and uh, you are a very busy gentleman. And uh, first, I wanted to congratulate you on another successful issue of Vort Vort Magazine. Uh, it's always a uh, you know a joy when a new issue comes out, and uh, this one did not fail to uh, disappoint me. Uh, you know, there's lots of good information in there not just about comics but uh you did a lot of animation stuff this time around yeah we did um i mean that to be fair was i mean the thing about warp warp is a lot of the things in there are in quite long development so for instance um the animation piece has been probably in development now for about five years with the uh, excellent richard bignall um truffling for all sorts of fabulous knowledge and uh, and and facts and stuff from the archives and and brilliant sort of human testimony but you know just just to uh just to sort of give you some insight into the fact that you know we're never even though we're very exacting we're never complete since we published uh-huh. that we've had four more animation projects which were in serious development <laughs> over oh, the really? last years come to light so it, it, which are extraordinary, extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary. One would have involved a TV doctor. Another one was Daleks. Another one was was Gallifrey based. There was um, another one was canine based. There were absolutely um, so. So there's at least another four with credible, serious backing um, that come to light. You know, as I say, in the last four months. So wow. knowledge is. Even something like Doctor Who, which you think is completely spent and mined out, what's wonderful is there's still plenty of areas that, you know, still have great potential for for knowledge and discussion and, and mm-hmm. conjecture. And, um, yeah, the animation proved to be a, a very rich vein and, um, and <laughs> uh, been well-received by our, our readers. So, yeah, it, it was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I thought it was just incredible. And uh, I, I was curious... I. How do you or you, how do you come up with the ideas for the different articles or avenues that you're going to uh, cover in Vort Vort magazine? Is it kind of a I'm a combination of you and and Colin come up with ideas and farming them out to people to research, or do people come to you and say, "Hey, I have a lead on such and such"? It's a combination of both. Um, I mean, we do kind of you in previous issues we've tried to come up with a sort of big hook. Um, for each issue so the obvious one was 
say, issue four, where myself and Colin, between us, we said, do you know what, let's let's do the, the 60s and 70s TV comic and all the various other guises. You know, let's do that justice and give it its sure. own issue. Uh-huh. So that was... So that was kind of the hook for that. The hook for the big hook for issue three was was kind of Alan Moore um, and some of those. And we were still in that kind of um, let's try and talk to our big heroes, and and we largely achieved that. So issue five, the hook there was that was more of a kind of um, we know we've got these interesting pieces, but it doesn't necessarily have a big overarching theme. So let's. Let's finally bring, I think, Richard's animation thing. We, we first talked about probably about seven, eight years ago, just to yeah. give you a sense of how long that takes. Uh-huh. Uh, Iron Empire, I think we started work on that in, in 2012, um, which is why it's got Capaldi in it as the Doctor, pretty much, well, yeah. 2013, because that was originally going to be in issue three, which at the time was a kind of 50th anniversary thing, so... So now we, we, we kind of kept with Capaldi because it felt like a sort of out-of-time doctor. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, that gives you a sense of how long it takes. I mean, gosh, the, the John Ridgway, um, the, the, that John Ridgway Absalom Dark strip is beautiful. I think that was completed yeah. in 2018. Um, so, so things take a while. So issue five is a kind of, here's some cool stuff that we think you might enjoy. And then but we do try and discuss a theme. So how it works is I will either have an idea or Colin will have an idea and then we bat it between us. Uh, Colin as editor then puts a bit more detail to the shape to it and what he wants, who he wants to talk to. And I'll throw some stuff in the mix Mm -hmm. and then we generally farm it out. But occasionally things come to us, which are just too good to turn down. (laughs) And we've, we've got some good examples of that with Richard, Richard Bignall's great piece, and there's a few pieces in Warp Warp 6, which are basically, someone has come to us and gone, I've got this incredibly cool stuff, and we've gone, wow, that's good timing, because this is the theme we're looking at, and then we see how it fits, and yeah, it's a, so it, it's, it's a bit of both. I would say it's probably more now uh, we set a broad theme, and then we look to actively kind of curate and fill slots on that basis okay okay well uh, the the thing i enjoy about fort fort magazine whenever an issue comes out is how detailed it is and how much uh information is within the covers of fort fort magazine i i still haven't finished reading the the newest issue um which i think speaks volumes to how detailed uh the research is that people do for the stuff that's in there and uh as far as like the comic strips go because it's not just uh, articles and stuff about different aspects of Doctor Who, uh, comics, animation, that kind of thing. But you also do uh, comic strips in in there as well. Like you did a sequel to the Iron Empire in the the latest issue, and uh, it's just a you get such a kind of a cornucopia of stuff in in an issue of Vort Vort that it's just a pleasure to read, and it's something that as long as it takes you and the the writers and creators of the magazine to come up and put out an issue. It takes just as long for us to, to savor each part of an issue. Well, that, that is, that is wonderful to hear. Um, yeah. I mean, they do take a while to come together, although, although we are getting quicker, um, bizarrely at the moment, <laughs> um, we are getting faster. So 
the the next issue of Warp of Warp, issue six, is going to be out in November as oh, a special awesome. year. So for us to do two issues in one year is kind of unprecedented. But, um, you know, Colin, to be fair, has incredible focus and and you know once he's once he's on a case once he's on something he's he's he's, he's relentless mm-hmm. and, and focused like a laser and and i think there's some really good stuff already planned for six and and being worked on for six which i think will we, we'll be proud of it as 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 sort of publishers and we hope people will enjoy the various uh interesting insights and and some fabulous research Including, I have to say, Colin, who's done a, a most stunning piece of, of research, uh, tracking down um, and understanding the life of uh, Reg Cranfield, who is the first person we see on screen as the policeman. Oh wow! Earthy child, which uh, it, it, the granular, uh, the granularity of that research, uh, just stunning. I mean, we've been burning through contacts trying to track him down, and because, of course. To the rest of the world, Reg Cranfield is an extra, you yes. know, a very uh-huh. extra, but a man who spent his career as an extra who, who dies in the early 80s. And, you know, because Doctor Who is in his infancy then in terms of the, that scholastic understanding, he, he was a surprisingly difficult man to track down. But Colin yeah. has closed the case file on him as of last week. And uh, Oh, awesome. I, for one, can't wait to, to hear the story out. You know, but so there's there's things like that in. But the um, to give you a sort of broad picture, the um, the theme, the broad theme of of Warp, Warp Six, which is a bit of a diversion for us, which is 1963. Okay. So we get that first year of Doctor Who and and what that means and, and the stories of some of the creators, stories behind you know interesting sort of paths that have been less trodden. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a sort of one-off, because the next big anniversary will be the 75th, is the thinking. And by the 75th, although, God bless, I I really want people like Warris are saying to still be with us, the chances are that they won't be. And so the focus on the 75th will be probably on the new show, because by then, I guess, the new show will be 30-odd years old. So that will be a momentous thing. Yeah. Yeah, the new show won't be a spring chicken either. So. <laughs> Indeed. Well, that's right. You know, people will be looking back at the, ooh, God, standard definition. Doesn't it look quaint? And, and, uh-huh. and, and uh, ooh, <laughs> ooh, look at, look at, you know, so it will, it will be uh-huh. as old as, gosh, I mean, that's scary. I mean, that means that, the, that something like Rose will be as old as, you know, back in when the TV movie came out. Uh huh. It'll be as old as an unearthly child was then. So yeah, it's crazy to think about. It is. So, so the, like I say, there, there's some wonderful stuff coming. Um, we'll have more news sort of later in the year. But yeah, that's the idea uh, to get something glorious out for the 60th. Uh, free gift this time will be a DVD with some very, very special. Um, oh, wow. Things. So we, I can't say what it is at the moment because it's being worked on, but it's a very, very, very special couple of things on there. One in particular that we just can't wait to share. So um, so fingers crossed, eh? We get yeah. there for November. Yeah, definitely. Because I really don't want to be posting that in January. <laughs> I want to be... Yeah, it's, that, one's, that one's kind of, be, kind of a special deadline to, to, to it, try to hit. I want to have a thoroughly ruined December posting all these things. <laughs> it's so, good. 
Well, that's awesome. That's that's great to hear about Vort, Vort magazine. But but you not only uh, work on that as, but you are also the head of Cutaway Comics. So for those people who may not know what Cutaway Comics is, um, you are basically a, a small press comic com- publisher that does comics based on properties we have seen or property uh, people and places that we have seen in yes. Doctor Who. Yeah. So for instance, you know, we so we work with original writers who would have created these uh, characters and environments in the first run. So um, mm-hmm. so to date, we've published uh, Lytton, which was written by Eric Saywood, based on his character from the 80s, yep. from, from Attack of the Sidemen and Resurrection of Daleks. That's been really fun. Uh, we've done a one-shot Orsini from Revelation of the Daleks, which, again, great work from Eric. Um, we then did a, quite a big epic on Omega, um, which was overseen, signed off and and we've got some great input from bob baker and Mm -hmm. and it's a sort of these are big big characters that if you know if if you look at doctor who as like a kind of marvel universe then someone like omega would definitely have his own movie his own he would be the big bad over about six movies it's fertile ground for us to explore um so to date we've got so, so to date we've 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 got three series out, so we've completed uh, Paradise Towers is the other one. That's mm-hmm. that's probably our biggest hit so far. Um, oh, yeah. Paradise Towers is a kind of, it's a bit marmite amongst Doctor Who fans, but we've found that there's a, a younger, um, enthusiastic audience for Paradise Towers, and we've had such fun. So the star of Paradise Towers is not necessarily a character, but it's the setting. So yeah. it's the setting of those towers 25 years later. A couple of characters come back. But, you know, these, these are, are proper, you know, uh, US-sized comics, four-issue miniseries, and we do a DVD with each issue, which has commentaries and documentaries and extras, just to give people a little bit of extra value for money and something to enjoy mm-hmm. with the comics. So, so that has been... We've been going since summer 2020, so we're coming up for three years this summer. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's been a blast. It's been a ride. Um, we've learned so much. I've learned that comics is a slow medium, that it is mm-hmm. takes time to pull together. Uh-huh. Sometimes you have to wait for the right talent. Um, and that you are sometimes at the mercy of things that are out of your control. So uh, paper costs, printing costs, um, all these sort of things that have changed in the last 18 months because of Ukraine. Um, yeah. So we reframed and refocused and we're now looking forward to our next releases, um, which are looking very exciting. I have to say. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cutaway has been, been going, like you said, for several years now. And um, I know in, in the regular comic world, um, we had a lot of the, the publishers had issues when COVID came about due to uh, supply chain issues and being over in the UK, um, you mentioned the, the, the problems with supply due to Ukraine. Did that kind of compound things along with the COVID issues so that it made it just yeah. that much harder to come out with stuff? We just got over COVID and, and then um, we got hit with massive energy cost increases, which the printers just passed on to the customer you know uh-huh. we, we we would you'd go out for a quote with a printer 
and then they would say these quote this quote is good for seven days and no more and after that we'll requote if you don't get the order in seven days which is unheard wow. of so month to month cost of printing was going up by an average about sort of 10 to 15 percent and this did really caused us you know considerable headaches for a, for a small company like us it, it, it really did cause us big problems i'll be honest but yeah. we are we're kind of settled on that and it has caused some decisions in the range that have changed okay. um which i think are for the better so paradise towers will be the very last which issue four is going to be out um uh, i would imagine by the time this podcast is out then paradise okay. Towers four will be up for order and we've got the stock in hand so that's ready to ship um, that will be the very last issue that we do in a sort of US-style single comic in a four-issue series. Um, okay. They just, the economics of them no longer add up, sadly. Um, and I think that's something we're going to see across the industry because single issues are expensive things, especially as the run goes on. By the time you hit, hit like, say, issue three or issue four, you're only selling about 40, 50, 60% of what you sold on issue one. Yeah, costs are going up at the same time, month on month on month. Mm -hmm. So, so the plan is to move to something that we we actually probably once we've sort of thought it all through, I'm actually more excited about. So we're moving towards the prestige format, which I don't know if your listeners know it, but it is something like the the Killing Joke basically uh -huh. gave us this style. So you get a single slim volume. So we will give you in a slim volume what would have been, let's say parts one and two of a okay. four-issue series, but as a standalone story, uh, which is perfect bound. So it's a, it's a nice, it's a nicer product, like a very, like a mini, um, you know, like a mini graphic novel. Yeah. With, but we'll be able to give you extras. We'll be able to give you graphic, you know, we'll be able to keep the page count at 48 pages. So we're not looking to cut to 20 page issues and do all the things that make the singles even, you know, we save a few pounds, but I think they make them less appealing to a reader. So yeah. you, you also get the story much quicker. So that's where we're moving. So Gods and Monsters okay. is our first issue in that format. So we've got Omega and Sutek together because they were uh, they're one shots, but obviously they're linked as part of Gods and Monsters. And uh -huh. then we've Faustine, which was always planned as a two parter anyway. So that will be its own prestige format issue. So we're. Okay. That's going really well. And as I say, Omega and Sutek will be out in, um, gosh, when will that be out? That'll be out in May because that's all complete. We're literally, okay. um, we'll have a beautiful new trailer for that out in about 10 days, which is animated, fully animated trailer uh, with, of Sutek with a brand new vocal track laid down by Gabriel Wolf himself. Oh, wow. And the animation is by um, it's by an absolutely fabulous young animator who you may have come across called Callum Weston, who recently blew us all away with his animation of uh, Celestial Toymaker Part 1. Oh, yeah. Yeah, awesome. stunning animator. So talented. Um, so he's come on board to do as a, uh, a wonderful trailer, and I think it's something we're going to stick with. And, um, you know, stay tuned. If, if it works and the response is good, then we might be game for longer animated features. So, uh -huh. oh, that's great. Or two. So, so that will be out. And then I think Faustine will be out in, uh, which is 
Steve Gallagher's uh, Farrell two-parter, which is also part of Gods and Monsters, uh, the big epic story that Ian Winterson's writing for us, that's going to be out, I would probably say, in May, June. So okay. both out fairly concurrent. They'll be orderable direct from us, um, from Cutaway Comics, or you can order them and you can order them through Diamond. Um, but the only way to get the free DVD is to order it from us, direct. So, okay. Uh, so, so are you uh, before with Cutaway Comics when you're putting out the individual issues? You yeah. were doing them via Kickstarter to start things off. Are you no longer doing that? We'll still be doing Kickstarter as well. So, Gods okay. and Monsters was kickstarted last year. Yeah. So that was it. So there will be there will be Kickstarters following. Um, okay. This, or um, let's see. So we've got we've still got to come out. We've got the Happiness Patrol, which um, has been mostly delayed because we've been obviously been waiting for the talent to be free to do that. You know, when one of the yeah. it's wonderful working with the, you know big artists like Aid Salmon and uh, Martin Garrity. But the downside is that they are in huge demand, and Martin and Aid are quite often working on. Um, they've both been working on a very big animation project for the last six months, which is really. It's all they can do. It's not yeah. Doctor Who, I would add. Before, <laughs> before it's not a Doctor Who. Animation. Yeah, yeah. Get, get all our hopes up. Thanks a lot. I know. I categorically, <laughs> it's not a Doctor Who animation, but it's equally exciting. Um, but it's not Doctor Who. But that means they're busy, so we have to wait. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's all. Happiness Patrol will definitely happen. It's the same with the Inferno prequel. The script's all written from Gary Russell. It's, he's aching to go. We're just waiting the talent to sort of be in the right place on the yeah. other side um book two of gods and monsters is well underway so um steve scott's been working on the drax two-parter that ian winston's written and it's gorgeous stuff really cool stuff great great witty script really got hold of drax as a character wonderful art and um libby reed's been working on the iris um gods and monsters comic for us as well okay and and just as of today, um, I got a lovely email from Steve Gallagher, um, who I found a slot for as part of. Now we're putting things together, so you'll get, so you get the Drax two-parter, which is going to be one half of Gods and Monsters book two. We'll get the Iris twenty-four page from Libby Reed, written by uh, Sean Mason. All wonderful, okay. but we've got now got a slot because something has kind of dropped out of contention. Um, so it's going to be a brand new, another Steve Gallagher strip, um, Losco, which is he's going to be a quite an interesting add to the mix for Gods and Monsters book three. Um, but he is basically he's 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 got a cameo in Steve's original uh, Warriors Gate novel, which is coming out this summer. The original. Okay extended cut he's basically the guy he's one of the antonine killers um which steve has expanded on at all who shoots down the privateer at the beginning of warrior's gate and and it that's why it jumps and ends up in e-space with a faulty hyperdrive okay he's um he's 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 a he's an interesting edgy fascinating character who has his own quite uh antagonistic relationship with the thoroughs so he so that's going to be a really interesting addition. So there's all sorts of stuff going on. Um, beyond that, we've got um, there's a couple of negotiations underway for other properties, 
which I'd love to tell you about, but I can't because the deal's not done yet. That's still underway. It is. I I learned this off Des Deskin. He always he got done um, on a deal in the states when he mentioned something to a fanzine, and um, someone got got hook of it and got their own version out with his bloody title out first, and he lost he lost the deal. So as Des says. Don't uh, he's a Yorkshireman, so apologies. <laughs> don't say out about out till it's out. And, yep. <laughs> uh, I stick with Skin's Law. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it, you know it's been an, an, an exciting journey, but we're enjoying our time with Cutaway Comics, and and we're finding there's lots of interesting properties and people we still really desperately want to work with. So on it goes. Yeah, well, I've really been enjoying what you put out from Cutaway Comics just because it's neat to see uh, further use of these these characters and these settings and, uh, you know, like uh, seeing what else can be done with, like, uh, Omega, for example, or, mm. uh, you know, seeing seeing uh, Paradise Towers from, from a different angle, from a different aspect. It's, it's neat to see... Uh, these these characters and places that that we've known and loved in Doctor Who uh, mythos and on our TV to to be expanded upon. I, it's it's a neat idea, and you guys have really uh, pulled it off really really well. Oh God, that, that's I'm, I'm blushing. It's wonderful. But uh, Omega is a really good example there. I think of a character who who I think had more potential. Um, than we sometimes saw on, you know, his first mm-hmm. his first um, appearance is, is terrific in the Three Doctors. Um, but the problem I thought is every time he turns up, the they kept doing the same thing. Omega is just there to wail and moan and say how lonely he is and how miserable he is. <laughs> yep. And I think that's as I, I we I was determined that that wasn't where we were going. So with Mark's script, I said, let's see a little bit more of Omega as. Let's give him a tryout as, you know, let's give him a chance to be the benevolent God that he believes he could be. And mm-hmm. of course, wrong. you know, let's not have yeah. him wail. Let's, and let's also lean into him as an engineer, as a creator of things, as a, as a great scientific mind. And I think Mark picked that up and ran with it. Now Omega in Gods and Monsters, which, you know, Gods and Monsters is where we're putting up lots and lots of fascinating IP together. Um, the hook for that is originally my, my take for gods and monsters was almost like if we were going to put all of these various characters and people and things into a dungeons and dragons adventure, who would they actually be? And I remember thinking Omega, you know, he's a Lord Omega. I saw as almost like, um, the disgraced knight, you know, who, yeah. who is what a win back, um, his honor. Uh-huh. And, and that was that again was the hook that that Mark went with and Ian's gone with, which I, I like. I I saw him almost like you know like Magneto, where especially in I, my favourite bits of the X Men films is where Magneto sits down with Professor X and gets to be charming and reasonable and interesting, um, and you see a different side to him. And I think in the comics there's been times where Magneto's led the X Men and things like that. And I think yeah. that. that so we really wanted to give Omega a different sort of story. And, and then we recorded the, uh, the, the audio with Brian Blessed. And Brian said some really interesting things about the character, that he saw him very much as sort of 
misunderstood and like Milton's Satan in uh, Paradise Lost, um, and uh-huh. that he's 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 actually all right deep down. He's 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 fallen on some bad luck and he's made one or two bad decisions, but ultimately he's not a bad guy. And I thought, yeah, that's far more interesting than just ranting and raving and wailing. And yeah, yeah, definitely. So that's just one example of where we've kind of gone. Let's do something interesting. I think Omega's been been a good example for that. Um, so, th- so I think when you've got these big mythological characters, you can do really interesting things, and um, and that's where we miss. You know, Bob Baker was uh, absolutely wonderful to work with. You know, Bob and um, his collaborator Paul Tams was, was so positive and so engaged in in our ideas, and they didn't just, you know, they they would push back if there was something that they, they didn't like, uh-huh. and we would go okay. Let's, we won't do that then. But there were times, but most of the time we'd have the debate. And that's, we really like working with, with creators and estates that are engaged. And, um, and so far we've got that. Um, you know, Stephen Wyatt has been, has been wonderful to work with on Paradise Towers. You know, when I first met him, he just, I remember I met him for a drink in London at the BFI and I just pitched it to him. And he said, well, that's a slightly cracker's idea. Um, but let me go, <laughs> you know, because Stephen is a, you know, Stephen has had a really, you know, the amazing thing is Stephen's had a big career as a writer in radio and, and theatre and, and uh-huh. you know, and I think he's been on his own journey with Doctor Who to a degree where I think it was seen as something that was almost not shameful, but something that it wasn't going to advance your career in the sort of 90s as a serious yeah. writer. Now he's yeah. absolutely embraced it. You know, and there's this enormous industry around Paradise Towers. There's obverse books do do books and and short plays and audios and all sorts. So, you know, weirdly, Paradise Towers has sprung up organically from this mad little setup. But Stephen did, and and we've also leaned into with that. We've also leaned into Halo Jones, which weirdly was the inspiration for Paradise Towers because Andrew Cartwell told us that when he got his new writers in for seasons 24 and 25, uh-huh. the one thing he did is he sent all those writers a copy of Halo Jones. Oh, really? This is what science fiction can be. This is the kind of thing I want. And, you know, Paradise Towers is, is Halo Jones book one. Uh-huh. Um, Ace in Dragonfire is basically Halo as a bored waitress on the Clara Pandy in book two. It's um, it's there, you know, the influence yeah. is there. It's been uh-huh. really nice bringing it full circle and bringing Paradise Towers back to life as a comic, homaging the, the comic roots for it were originally there. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's good to hear that uh, the, the creators of these characters and, and these, these settings uh, are interested in, in helping further them along and, and, breathing new life into them as opposed to just kind of signing off on, you know, letting you be able to do whatever you want. It's nice that they, they still care about their work that they did in the past that they want to help continue on, continue it forward. You always want an engaged uh, person on the other end. It makes such a difference. It really does. Um, I mean, not to a point where, you know, there is a balancing act, but on the whole, the engagement, it, 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 I'd say it's overwhelmingly positive and good. Um, so, for instance, we also were able to give some of these guys 
a chance to write a comic for the first time. So Bob Baker, pretty much his last professional credit, I'm pretty sure, was the Eldrad Must Live comic, which mm-hmm. he was really up for doing because he said it's the last medium that I, that it's the medium I've never written for. I love comics. You know, oh, that's awesome. But with awesome comics in the 40s and 50s. Um, and he said, yeah, so, you know, Bob, Bob is an Oscar-winning writer. He's a, a BAFTA-winning yep. writer. Although not an Emmy-winning writer, which weirdly we put on one of the adverts on the back of one of the comics, <laughs> say, which he found quite funny. He said, ironically, it's the only one I've never won. But So to um, give him the chance of writing comics has been great. So we gave Steve Gallagher his first comic. and He has just eaten it up. He's loved it. He said, you know, and, and Steve will chat more about this, you know, once Faustine is out, I'm sure. But he said how yeah. glorious it is just... So him and Martin Garrity have just been working together on that comic. Um, and he said, it's wonderful. You know, I don't have to go through layer on layer on layer. It's, it's just me and the artist. Uh-huh. And you that's it. And actually, with those guys, I stepped back and I basically said, you guys work on this together. If there's something that you need a third opinion, you know, another opinion on, yeah. send it to the line. Otherwise, just send me the completed pages that will be fine. And that's what we did. Mm-hmm. By and large, because I can, I think when things are going well, I'm quite hands off. If I have to get involved quite heavily, then something's gone wrong and that hasn't really happened. Um, but I'm, you, you know, you, I don't know what you work in Jeremy, but you know, there's two kinds of people in charge. There's the people who set the thing up right and keep it going and check in. Then there's the people who just can't resist micromanaging every decision. Yeah. Yep, and I know exactly. this makes for the best art, and it isn't. It isn't that one. No, it's it, you. You let the creators do their their work, and if they need a little guidance, they'll they'll ask for your opinion. But otherwise, they, you know, if if they they they're good enough, they know what they're doing. They do, and I think you know my job is to is to pick the projects, do the deals, um, pick the teams, set the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. And then it's my job to sell it. That's what yeah. I I'm, I'm the studio, basically. You know, the writer is, uh, the writer and artist are all at once, you know, the cameraman, the director of photography, the writer, the actors, the special effects, the editor. They're kind of all that. It's, um, it's, it's, an, it's an incredible art form. And I have to say, my appreciation of what those guys achieve it just grows and grows because uh, you know what they achieve i think is phenomenal yeah yeah they do they do awesome work and uh it shows in the products that have come out from cutaway so far um one last question i have for you kind of self-serving just because uh i have a bookshelf full of doctor who graphic novels and and uh collected editions of stuff and being over here in the states it's kind of not so cost effective to have comics sent over from the UK. Um, what are the, the odds of having some of these mini series and upcoming, uh, books collected into, uh, you know, collected editions or trade paperbacks to put on my bookshelf? Extremely high. I would say that, um, all of our contracts allow for a trade paperback and we have been very slow on this. I have to say part of our learning curve, as you know, because it's it's proven to be um, a lot more challenging to get the singles yeah. out 
we haven't yep. been able to sort of do that and keep our pipeline going and do the um, graphic novels. But once we've got uh, Gods and Monsters book one out in the next couple of months and Paradise Towers is now complete, that's where we'll be putting our attention over the summer um, to get graphic novels of Lytton, of Omega and Paradise Towers out for sure. And then awesome. the one-shots will we'll sit in those as well. So we'll mm-hmm. find a place to collect those one-shots, hopefully. But yes, we, we... And the good thing is that once they're, you know, once they're done, they're done, you know, and then they can, yeah. you know, they're in the, they're in the diamond catalogue for people to order. Exactly. Uh, they're, we, they're an evergreen product. They're always, you can, you can keep them there for a long period of time and it's something yeah. that people have, are interested in it and hear about it. Uh, it's something that's available for them. And, and, you know, we, we, we understand the comic business a lot better than perhaps we did in 2020 when we started out on this because Cutaway Comics was, I mean, I've kind of made a career in doing odd things. And I remember, I remember I had good curry with Lee Sullivan back in 2013 when I interviewed him for Walk Walk 2. And uh-huh. I told him that I was thinking of, of doing a range of comics. And he said, wow. He said, you run a pub, you own a pub, you put on Fringe Theatre, and now you want to publish comics. He said, you really do want to lose all your money, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, well, you know, and he, he, Lee's always stuck with me, bless him, um, uh-huh. with the comment. And yeah, it's a learning curve. But I, I think that I now understand that the singles have their place, but I, I think the day of the singles across the industry is going because uh, people want things that they can put on their bookshelf, just as you said. Um, so in terms of the format, while well, I've got you on here, for those graphic novels, do you, yeah. how do you see those graphic novels looking? Are they, are they um, what size are they? Are they the same size as like the comic books, but in perfect bound? Are they larger A4? Are they hardback? Are they softback? What would you uh, like to see? Your, what, would your, I, what I would like to see, uh, I would I would be fine uh, with just standard comic size, um, uh-huh. perfect perfect bound, either hardcover or softcover. Um, to me, that it does make that much of a difference. Um, I know there's okay. some some places or some uh, like Kickstarter campaigns when they do a collected edition, they will do both, and you know people can pledge more for a hardcover edition as opposed to a, a softcover or just a trade paperback. Um, I'm, I would just be happy to have them sitting on my bookshelf with, you know, alongside all my other Dr. Who graphic novels so that when I want to read Paradise Towers or when I want to read Omega, I can just pull it off my bookshelf instead of having to, you know, dig through a box or, uh, I, I back all your Kickstarters and get the, the, uh, electronic version. So instead of having to turn on my computer or pull up my iPad and pull up those PDF files, I can just pull the book, sh- book off my bookshelf and, sit down in my comfy chair where I'm at right now and just read away. Very nice. And, um, and in terms of extras, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm using you for sort of, um, for oh, no problem. Me, but you know, your market and actually <laughs> I'm fascinated to hear from many of your readers as well on their thoughts, uh, uh-huh. or your listeners rather. Um, and in terms of the amount of extras that you would in- expect in there, do you, you know, do you expect, you know, interviews and, and sketches or actually is just the comic, you know, um, I don't expect extras. I'm fine with just the, the story itself. However, I must say that uh, what Panini does with their Doctor Who graphic novels and 
uh, when they get done with, uh, you know, a story arc or two in Doctor Who magazine, if they put out a, a collected edition that has kind of that director's commentary in the back that talks about the making of a strip and has, you know, uh, preliminary art or sketches or what have you, I love that kind of stuff. I love reading all that stuff. That's part of the, the reason I love Vort, Vort magazine so much is that the the vast majority of your articles when it comes to comic book stuff that's what you include is all that extra behind the scenes stuff and i think that's what a lot of people like to to see or read about um you know along with getting the the straightforward story well that is i have to say that is my instinct because you know vort vort comes out of a meeting in a pub in my old pub in 2007 to do a book called vort vort that doesn't happen but the material that I did becomes what for the fanzine, which is meant to be a one-off, and then it grows. But I've uh-huh. always thought, I, I'm, I'm really, <laughs> I think my philosophy is not less is more, it's more is more. And, um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I'm glad to hear that because I always think it's good to offer extra insight and material and, and give the creators a little space to share their work and take a bow. So, um, yeah, so right. exactly. So, so yes, so I can I can promise, sort of, I would say by this autumn or the fall for you guys, it will be out, and um, it'll be available direct from us. They'll be available in Diamond, and also um, for our good friends in North America, uh, we'll be back at the um, at the excellent Gallifrey One convention this uh, coming February. So February twenty four, we'll be back, hopefully awesome. with very special guests and. Um, looking to launch not one large format book, but two large format books, if it all goes to plan. Which oh, is a awesome. diversion for us in Cutaway Comics, but we <laughs> have two very strong uh, book ideas. We're going to be gorgeous and visual. We really want to share, but um, more on that another day. Yes, definitely. Um, you know, you Cutaway Comics puts out great stuff. You uh, and... Colin, do an excellent job with Fort Fort Magazine. Uh, thank you, Gareth, for taking time out of uh, your very busy schedule. You're a jack of all trades, and oh, you have always have lots of stuff going on. But thanks for uh, taking time to chat with me and uh, letting me and my listeners get caught up on all the Cutaway Comic uh, news. An absolute pleasure. And and listen, anytime, Jeremy, and um, you know, keep up the good work. You're doing some amazing work on this podcast. Oh, thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Gareth Kavana. Uh, Gareth, like I said, is a, is a friend of the show, is somebody who's always fun to chat with and find out what's going on in the world of Cutaway Comics. Uh, it's really kind of unique as to what he's doing, being able to take properties from the Doctor Who universe and spin them off into their own stories, whether it be taking a character like Omega um, or Sutek and come up with a, a comic or a mini series for them. Or even take uh, the premise of uh, a world like Paradise Towers and expand upon that. Take a look at the future, you know, have the, the creator of the original story write something new and fresh and breathe a little bit of life into this property that may be, you know, decades old. So I think it's neat what Cutaway Comics does. Uh, I encourage you, if you haven't taken a look at their, at their products, to uh, look them up. It's cutawaycomics.co.uk. 
and uh, see what they have to offer and maybe order a comic or two from them and uh, see see what you uh, think of them. I know I enjoy them. Uh, they always have things on Kickstarter, like Gareth mentioned, and they're always great to back. Uh, even if you back them at just the digital uh, level, which I do, so I can get the digital copies of the comics. And uh, like I like you heard in the interview, once they start coming off those collected editions, I am right there, man. My bucks are gonna speak, and uh, I'm gonna have those those collected editions on my shelf with all my other Doctor Who comics. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Doctor Who Panel to Panel. It's been a pleasure bringing it to you. It's always fun for me to take time out of my schedule to record a, an episode and record interviews and reviews and bring them to you. I hope you also will check out my website, DoctorWhoComics.com, where every Monday and Thursday I will be bringing you a new page of artwork from Rich Morris's The Ten Doctors comic strip that he did uh, a while ago, but it is still really fun to read and neat to look at. Make sure you check that out. Please uh, do so at DrRuComics.com. And also, if you haven't uh, heard a lot of the past episodes of Dr. Who Panel to Panel, if you're relatively new, you'll notice that not all of the episodes are on uh, your current podcast feed. But if you go to archive.org and do a search for either Dr. Who Panel to Panel or Jeremy Bement, my name, you'll find all previous episodes of Dr. Who Panel to Panel as easy to download MP3 files you can listen to on your computer or whatever listening device you have. So... This outro is done. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, this is Jeremy Bement saying bye. Doctor Who Panel to Panel, the podcast about Doctor Who comics, thanks you for downloading this episode. Let us know what you thought about this episode or of Doctor Who comics in general. You can find us socially on Facebook at Doctor Who Panel to Panel, on Twitter at Doctor Who P2P, 2 being the number 2, and online at DoctorWhoComics.com. Download previous episodes via your favorite podcast service and find the complete catalog of episodes featuring amazing interviews with creators past and present at archive.org. Just search for Doctor Who Panel to Panel. Thank you. Thank you.